This morning, we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians. And as I was thinking about the new year, I was wondering uh, the question, like, what's so new about it? What's so new about it? Is it just a, a calendar uh, change? Is, what's so new about it for us? But we're going to be in the book of Colossians, and I'm going to look at the, we're going to look at the third chapter in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And you heard uh, verses 11 through 17 uh, read earlier. Hope you took that with you, held that. Verses 11 through 17. I'm going to read the first uh, 10 verses. Colossians chapter 3. I'll read from the new, uh, I mean from the English Standard Version. Colossians chapter 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, uh, God, the breaking, the dawning of a new year in our lives, Lord. Uh, God, that you've uh, ushered it in and ushered us into it, Lord. And God, we know that you do nothing without purpose. Oh, Lord, so allow us, Lord, as we open your word to receive your purpose as we uh, venture into this new year, Lord, we pray, God, that it would be in alignment with your will, that it would be by the power of your spirit, and that would be to, to the praise of your holy name. We thank you for this time that is set apart for you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the people that are gathered here. We pray your grace and peace on each one and every household that's represented here. Father, I ask for a fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength, my redeemer. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The new year. We, we know most of us have been around long enough to know that every year around this time, many people resolve to change their lives in some way. Um, uh, maybe it's an opportunity they feel for a fresh start or, or redo. Um, they, they usually, usually uh, um, the, their, the, the resolutions that are made, they usually revolve around things regarding health and finances. Those are in the top, the top five, the top 10 list. It's always around health and finances and uh, you probably could find now, maybe sprinkled in just a little bit, spiritual things here and there, but it's usually clumped in under wellness. Um, but there's a resolve to change, uh, make something better in, 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 the, in their lives. Um, these beginning of the year changes often transform in what I like to call the February failures. Uh, the changes fail for a lot of reasons, but I'll just mention two of the reasons that the change, that the, 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 there's a failure to change. Uh, one is because people expect to suddenly, uh, with the flip of a calendar, change habits that they spent years practicing and enjoying. Say it's a new day, I'm not gonna enjoy that anymore. The other reason, it's connected. The other reason is that people look to make the changes purely based on the power of their own wills. On the power of their own wills. And the problem with that is that our wills are subject to our natural tendencies. And our natural tendencies are what got us in the, <laughs> in the position in the first place. Uh, but we see in the text today that, that real change isn't based on the calendar. Uh, it comes by God giving us a com completely new lives and the ability to do all that comes with those new lives. Uh, real change. Uh, instead of uh, calling this a New Year's resolution, I call it a new life resolution. A new life resolution. Uh, we, we can be resolved to live new life in Christ when we let go of ours and embrace all that comes with his. It's how it works. Let go of ours and embrace all that comes with his. Um, we hadn't been in Colossians in a little while, but the Colossians as a context, they've, they've been instructed in the life that they now have in Christ. Uh, the, the, the writer Paul, led by the uh, prompting of the Holy Spirit, writes to help guard them against false teachings and philosophies that would cheapen and, and cause them to live beneath the level of this life that Christ has made possible for them. At the end of, of, of chapter 2, 
Paul points out uh, how people are, are basically being life coached into using man-made religious standards and activities to try to change their behavior and their connection with God. Uh, to, to, to navigate life and to gain spiritual advantage. Uh, I don't like life coaching. Um, but instead of, of attempting to, to modify and manipulate uh, a behavior with worldly wisdom that, that always has its ceiling and has its limit in human efforts, Paul urges them to simply live out their new status in Christ. You already have it. Just live it out. Living out the, the, the new life, this new life resolution, it, it involves embracing uh, a couple things, uh, one, a new mindset, a, a new existence, uh, remembering a, a new destination that's in, in store, having a, a, a new image that's being renewed, and then it results in new community values, new community values. I'll list those in the videos in case you want them. New mindset. He says in verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. What is, what is he saying? As, 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 we, as we come down through the Christmas season, most people have moved on. I still got Christmas in my heart and mind. As we come through the Christmas season celebrating the, the humble birth of, uh, of Jesus into the world, this text now causes us to also focus on the truth uh, that this same one who came humbly into the world is now sitting in his position of victory and power with God. Balance those. Uh, he, he accomplished all that he came to accomplish here on earth. We, we were comforted by his coming, but we're now called to center our thoughts on him in his exalted place. It's a new mindset, a new perspective. Any, any, anyone who was raised with Christ, Paul starts, that's who he's addressing, uh, that is, who's, who's placed faith in Christ and given themselves completely over to follow him is called to have this new mindset. This mindset, like, like, a, like a compass. Anybody ever play with a compass as a child or as an adult? Doesn't matter. Um, that, like, that, that a compass that, like a compass that was calibrated to keep pointing north, no matter what way you turn it. This mindset that continually uh, points upward. It's a mind that's fixed on Christ and, and what he's accomplished, that's not pulled or, or swayed by the circumstances or demands of the culture that's around it. Uh, it. It's not 
concerned with how the world feels and thinks things should be done, instead of asking WWJD, what would Jesus do? It remembers this mindset, WJHD, what Jesus has done. You, you know, when you, when you think about uh, anchors, let me put it this way, when you think about anchors, and we, we probably picture them dropping down with the heavy link chain into the deep and fixing ships in their place in the sea. But imagine this mindset, having an anchor that's fixed in heaven, holding us in line with Jesus, an anchor, an anchor. As the Colossian church that's being written to here is being pushed and pulled into doing things that, that might seem wise or right or, or righteous by people who obviously think they know better than Jesus. Paul calls them to check their mindsets. He says to, to, to lift their eyes from what's here and consider what's there. Consider what's there. How, how, often, how often do you walk through the streets and, and, and then recognize it's been a long time since I looked up? We, we typically keep our gaze here. Some of us, I'm, I'm a sky watcher, so I, I look up. Paul says, look up. Many, many people are only uh, able to focus on the earthly things in front of them. Those things seem more pressing, they seem more real, they seem more urgent. And, but Paul is not telling the Colossians to ignore what's happening uh, around them, but to never lose track of their true place and true priority. They are to continuously be setting their affections, their desires, and hopes on heavenly realities. A totally new mindset and orientation. And, and, and Paul says, focus, set your mind, seek. First question of the, of the new year, what are you setting your mind on this year? What are you setting your mind on this year? What direction do your goals point? What direction do your goals point? I say a lot of you are off to a good start. You are here. Amen. But what direction do your goals point? Paul drops a major reason for the new mindset that's centered on Christ. He goes on to say, he says, for you have died. <laughs> this is more than just good advice. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Hearing this, the church is reminded that believing in Christ has, has much deeper implications than just a one-time prayer or confession that you uttered as a child or maybe an adult. It, it goes beyond that. It, it's, it's as if Jesus has actually traded places with you. We've, we've actually traded our living and dying for his life and death. Paul says, 
what you've entered into has implications. It's like uh, 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 Jesus has now taken you into witness protection. Uh, your, your old identity in the world no longer exists and you're now operating in the new identity that Christ has given you. You've been changed. Uh, there is a whole new existence Paul is urging here. The true lives of believers are secured with Jesus right now. Uh, even though we, we are situated here in this room and on earth, if role was called in heaven, those who trusted in Jesus would be marked present. Paul says this is the new reality of your new existence. And because of this, we, we have, here's the goodness, because of this, we have access to the things of God and should be pursuing them in this life. We should be after them. But not only is there, is there new uh, existence, there's also new destination. There's a new destination to keep in mind. Christ is in his victorious place, but he's also preparing a place for us. A new destination. Uh, he has a, a, a scheduled return that's slated to transition us from being represented with him in the heavenly places to being physically present with him in glory. It's a new destination. Paul says that you have all of this, uh, walk in it, walk in it, walk in it. As Paul calls for the church to consider their new mindset, their new existence and their new destination. I, I, I gotta mention one thing, it's not very obvious in the text, when you read the text because of the language, all of the yous in the text are plural. Uh, you, you see it in the Greek, but you can't see it in the English, but it's all plural. We read sometimes very personally, but it's all plural, uh, meaning unlike the, the, the self-focus of most people's New Year's resolutions, the resolution of new life considers the whole community in Christ. It's you, you, you. Uh, every, everyone with a destination of glory is being called to this thing together. Since the new existence and destination, it involves being in God's presence. There are some things that are just no longer suited to be a part of the present experience. Uh, some things uh, just don't belong. So Paul urges, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Now, we, we, won't, we won't dig through every item on this list, but note that, that these things are normal ways of life for those operating in the flesh or, or the human will that's not surrendered to God. This 
It's typical. These, these things were so rampant. Uh, Paul didn't have to uh, uh, give definitions for what he meant or r- explain it. Uh, it. These things are so rampant and they were so rampant that we find warnings about them to at least five different churches in the New Testament. These things. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, but, it, but he, he, he gives it to the Colossians. But, it, but it's not only in the time that scripture was written. Uh, This is how we read. Uh, Any quick look at media or the attitudes and lives of people on display today should remind us that these are also typical of our own culture. They're broad in our own culture. Uh, the, the illicit behaviors that, that are mentioned here, they cover nearly all of the unchecked sensual desires, uh, both in the thoughts and the actions, which are against God's design and will for human intimacy. Paul says, all of these, uh, they, they, and not only, not only uh, are those things an affront to God, they also, they lean in to the desiring and trying to take for yourself things that God has not permitted for you to have. There's, engaging in and chasing after them is not only contrary to God's will, but eventually leads to putting those things in place of him making them idols. An idol is anything in place of God in your life. Uh, I won't ask for a witness, but I know anyone who's ever been consumed with something that God prohibited knows how it begins to take his place in your life. Paul makes plain that that although these these things were uh, connected to the old life, they shouldn't have any part of the new existence of those that have been raised with Christ. They, they, they aren't to be negotiated with or, or toyed with. They need to be put to death, he says. Uh, terminate them. And to clear up any confusion about where God stands on these things, regardless of of media, regardless of popularity, uh, uh, where God stands on his things. He informs them that God's righteous anger is on tap, ready to be poured out against them. The Colossians are reminded that before they can point the finger at someone, that these are the same things that God's mercy saved them from. So just steer clear of them. Steer steer clear of them. Paul Paul shared a a longer list of of things unacceptable to God in in the book of Galatians in the fifth chapter. But in in Galatians, I I like what he did there. He he tagged on the words, and things like these. You know, one of the dangers of sharing lists with people is that they are prone to check themselves off as safe when they don't see their specific thing on the list. Uh, others, others go and, and they might try to find ways to do the earthly things that they want to do by claiming that the specific things on the list don't exactly apply to them and their thing. 
Paul, Paul says this is nothing to play with, but things like this. In case your thing was missed, uh, he goes on, he says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Hmm. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Ah, um, pointing to, to unrighteous anger. Paul, Paul I, I can imagine almost Paul, Paul, Paul preaching and people saying amen and Paul like, I'm going to come down your street in a minute. Uh, he, he goes to unrighteous anger. I, I, anybody never have to deal with anger? All right, we're in the right building. Uh, whether, whether it's explosive or, or simmering, whether it comes out in screaming or passive aggressive insults and jokes, this ill-tempered attitude and behavior described here also is a thing that needs to be left behind, not to be picked up anymore. Those, those living the new life are also called out of manipulative, dishonest speech that seeks to gain advantage over, over others. No lying and, and anger. Paul, it, Paul, it's almost as if Paul wants them to be living a new life. Um, he describes the, the old earthly way of life uh, poetically uh, uh, with, with all of its untamed passions. He describes it like filthy, tattered clothing that needs to be left behind. <clears throat> uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I added uh, uh, filthy, tattered clothing. <clears throat> it, it's, it's not just clothing that's out of fashion. Because you'll try to hold on to that. If you wait long enough, most things come back in style. They call it retro. No, no, no. This is, this is, this is tattered clothing. Uh, um, to take up the, these garments, what Paul is describing here, to take them up again and put them back on, it would be like working in a sewage plant all day and then after stripping them off and bathing, putting back on those same clothes. Paul says, no, throw them out. Throw them out. Let it not be named among you. Paul recalls uh, the fact that the Colossians had not only gotten rid of old things, but they also had put on the new garment of Christ. That bathing I was talking about. They had put on the new garment of Christ. They're now a part of the, of the new creation. Uh, a people created in Christ who have the ability to grow deep in the understanding of God and be shaped into the image of Christ. So even though uh, Paul uses this language of putting off and, and putting on clothes, well, we, we, we might think about uh, it this way. Uh, what The things that happened to the Colossians and, and what he's describing that happens and transpires in the lives of believers. Think, you might think about it and, and, and like 
the new form that the butterfly takes on that's totally different than the caterpillar. Not, not only is there a shift in identity, you call it a different thing. Uh, not only is there a shift in identity, there should also be a change in behavior. Uh, it, it should now be flying and taking in nectar instead of crawling and chewing on leaves and dirt. Uh, this is a new existence. As this new existence, as it continues being renewed, Paul says, it's being renewed, uh, uh, becoming uh, more and more real in, in the believer's life. Uh, it, it's becoming more and more the believer's real life as it's being renewed. Heaven's realities then begin to pour out down here on earth. Anybody ever pray the prayer uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus began a new creation to begin that process of that prayer being fulfilled. Look at this. Uh, this, this renewing then goes a little further to create and make uh, community life new. All of this is, is unfolding when you've been raised with Christ. It says here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. One, all uh, social and religious prejudices with their man-made advantages and distinctions are all consumed by the new identity in Christ. They're, they're, they're brought in uh, under the umbrella of the grace of Christ. There, there is now equal access to God, Paul says, in this new existence, and, and equal dignity among his people. The new community is formed. And, and, and also in Christ, uh, Paul gives a, a last list for us that the church has also received a new dress code. He give, the church has a, he says, put on then. We know everything you strip off. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The community takes on a new dress code of, of, of virtues. These are, these are things suitable for those now uh, specially selected and, and set apart by God for the new life. Uh, if, um, imagine becoming now a part of a team and everybody gets a uniform but you. <laughs> no, no, no. There, there, there's, a new, uh, 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 there's a new dress code. The virtues he lists both maintain the community and identify it with Christ. The kindness and the acts of tender-hearted compassion called for in this list put the heart of Christ on display. 
living in the, in the humility that considers others as more important than self and putting on meekness that restrains from forcing or demanding their own way will cause the church to stand out in a society that values aggression and being in charge. So the new wardrobe he says instead of the old outbursts of wrath and, and, and verbal violence that were, that were put off and thrown away, the Colossians were now to put on patient, tolerant, tolerant forgiving attitudes with each other. Look, look, look at the community. The forgiveness to be worn and lived out by the church is both a a reminder and a demonstration of what the Lord has done for them and in them. Forgiveness, uh, it it gets sticky. His list was good and and it got to forgiveness because that's hard for a lot of people. But then he says, remember the forgiveness of God. It costs something. It costs something. Jesus taught his disciples to pray about it and to live live out the forgiveness of God there in Matthew chapter 6. You're praying for that forgiveness and now you need to show that same forgiveness. Uh, um, And and when the community is structured in this way where forgiveness abounds, it also makes admitting fault and need for forgiveness safe because you can have an expectation that forgiveness is present in that community. All of these, it's it's part of the dress code uh, for the church. And lastly, um, after they've gotten everything on, like a parent about to send a child out on a cold winter day, Paul tells them, don't forget the overcoat of love. Don't forget to, to, to cover up in it. No, 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 no matter what else they put on, they are not complete without love. He told the Corinthians, he said, these three are going to remain faith, hope, and love. He said, but the greatest of these is love. He put it on, put it on. Uh, it, it should surround all that the Colossians do and mark out who they are. It should be uh, 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 indicative uh, when you recognize, like you, you recognize a, a police officer or, or a physician by their, by their outfit. You should be able to recognize them by their love. Jesus says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Out of love you have, who? One for another. In laying out uh, 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 this new life, we recognize that love, it causes all the diverse pieces of the community to converge together toward that one perfect image of Christ. Love is that overshadowing, indispensable peace of the wardrobe that the church can't do without. Paul is basically summed up here in, 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 this, in this passage of scripture what it looks like to be loving God and loving your neighbor. I'll close with, with this, that even if our thing didn't make the list of things to put off, 
If we're honest, we'll all recognize that there are some things that need to be left in 2022. I said if we're honest, and if we're honest, and we'll recognize in there, there's more of the new wardrobe that we need to put on in 2023. I knew it'd get quiet, but, but here's, here's, here's the beauty, here's the blessed thing. None of this that's called for in the word of God is a matter of the willpower or a a, a flip of the page on a calendar. None of it is dependent on that. It's a function of having life with Christ. Christ renews, Christ empowers. When you are raised with Christ, you receive what you need to be dressed appropriately for life with him. The only question that remains is, has Christ become your life? Has, I'm I'm not talking churchy language. I'm not speaking figuratively. I'm asking directly, Has Christ become your life? If Christ hasn't become your life, then all of this, everything regarding uh, worship and services, again, 52 weeks of services and and worship, it is nothing more than going through the motions. All the moral commands and calls for new living in light of heaven, it becomes just nice advice that sounds good, but that will never truly be put on. He must be your life. It's why Paul opened the way that he opened. If then you have been raised with Christ, Christ must be your life. If you've been raised with him, then you are new And the call is to live life in him and according to him, no longer according to your old self. What's new for you in 2023? Are you going to allow Christ to be your life, not a part of your life, not a nice to have in your life, but your life? This year, we can look forward as much as the Lord allows us to look forward. The Lord is calling us to forsake our personal agendas and lean into the discipleship that he desires for us. That, 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 that renewing, that, 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 that seeking, that constant seeking of Christ that he's made possible for us by giving up his own life for us. What is going to be new for you in 2023?